This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Michael brings it in and drops it off. Marcia shoots off the crossbar and now Petrangelo scores. remaining in regulation time. Zach Whitecloud made it 3-2. William Carrier made it 3-3. And forced three-on-three overtime. And the Golden Knights pick up the extra point as Jonathan Marchessault rips it off the crossbar and Alex Petrangelo knocks the puck into a wide-open Flames net. Sin City curse continues. The final score at T-Mobile Arena tonight. The Golden Knights four and the Flames three. Yes, the Calgary Flames remain winless in Las Vegas. A 4-3 overtime setback last night. And you heard it there from Derek Wells. Another one goal game. Another overtime loss and another potential two points that the Calgary Flames should have banked instead of just the one loser point that they get in last night's loss. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio here in Chile, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor in the other room. Busy show for you on this Friday. We'll chat all things Calgary Flames with Pete Labardius coming up in just moments. Also, since it is a Friday, we'll do another edition of What Does Lou Say? Give away some Flames tickets to an upcoming game and a $200 gift card to Roos Chris Steakhouse. NHL trade deadline just around the corner. Lots to get into with former NHL scout. And writer at Sportsnet.ca, Jason Bukula. He'll kick off hour two. And uh, look at tomorrow's opposition, the Colorado Avalanche. Tough task for the Calgary Flames. They're now right uh, entrenched in a battle with Colorado for a wild card spot. And that team potentially looking at the return of their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, sooner than later. So we'll take a look at uh, Colorado coming up a little bit later on today as well. Let's kick things off like we always do. Heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest hotline saying hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He is Peter Labardius. He joins us every single day, courtesy of our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at the Gemini Group. Dot CA. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am awesome. Thank you kindly. Good to hear, my man. Uh, Flames fall 4-3 last night in the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights, despite holding a 3-1 lead 
in the third period. What went wrong for Calgary last night? Well, what went wrong was at 3-1, they had done pretty much everything that they wanted to do in a building where they'd been outscored 30-8. to They never had the lead in that building for any longer than two minutes and nine seconds. They'd never scored the first goal in a game in Vegas. They did all of those things. And early in the third period, Logan, it was pretty evident. And I, and I thought they were in good shape and in pretty con, good control. But you can almost tell sometimes that a team goes from, you know, the popular term, I guess, is being on their toes to being on their heels. And their posture said, and it's a good posture, when you're feeling great about yourself and you don't get too far back, meaning, you know, their assignments were good defensively, but they had one shot on goal, Logan, as you know, in the period. So that right there tells you they didn't have the puck very much. They were defending and checking a lot more than they wanted to. And everything was fine, frankly, until they did not handle uh, play through the middle of the ice and into their zone very well. They left too big a gap for Zach Whitecloud, the right-handed shooting defenseman who joined the rush, got in a seam, took a pass, and even Daniel Vladar was very deep in his net. I don't think he was expecting what came. So you're in good shape and in good control, and now it's 3-2. Well, in so many games that I've watched in my lifetime, I call them seven to 10 minute runs. And in most games, the other team that you are playing is probably going to get on one of those. And that goal fueled that crowd. That team had some jump. They started building. Then there were more quality shifts for Vegas. And it led to the scramble goal by William Carrier, who's had one heck of a season. That's goal number 16 of the year for him that tied it. Flames had a power play. The Flames lost that game last night by about three millimeters when Rasmus Anderson takes the shot on the power play, which looked good all night. That was one of the positives. Wristed it through a screen and hit the, hits the bottom of the crossbar. So when you really think about it, Logan, it, it really continues to be the moral of the story for this team. Against good teams, they're a good team. And they were a good team last night. But they didn't necessarily get a big save at 3-1, where I think, you know, the longer that game stays 3-1, the more seed of doubt you plant in Vegas, who, mm-hmm. again, will leave the ice after last night going, you know what, doesn't matter. We're going to beat these guys. Because yep. why wouldn't you feel that way? Um, and even, so at one end, a puck goes off the crossbar, the bottom of it comes straight out. In overtime, after I did not love the change in the decision that Michael Backlund make leaving the ice before Jack Eichel had let go of the puck and was going to head off himself because he recognized what Michael was going to do in overtime, turned yeah. it into a three-on-two. And that puck from Marcheseau, as you just heard in Derek's call, well, it didn't go off the bar and go straight out. It dropped straight down. Straight down, yep. Yeah. Sat so, in that line there. You know, if, if that doesn't tell you the finite nature, and it happens a lot of the difference between winning and losing, and good fortune does matter, um, that game was 
a puck stays in one crease, maybe the Flames win and win in regulation. And we're having a very different conversation. The most frustrating thing from a Flames perspective is it took me back to even just over a week ago when they played the great game in Buffalo on a Saturday afternoon. And there they were in Ottawa, and they were feeding the Senators their lunch. And then they gave up those two goals and lost in overtime. Different, not quite as heartbreaking because it didn't happen in as quick and as late a fashion, but it's still a night that could have had this team feeling great about itself for the first time in a long time. And now it feels like, well, the chapter five is the same as chapter three is the same as chapter seven of their season long book. I saw a big difference, Lou, between the team that played when they were up 3-1 compared to when they were up 3-2. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, well, sure I did. Sure I did. And, and that speaks to me of a team that has not had a lot of things go well. It's, it's a team that isn't operating with great confidence in close games. And why would they? They haven't won very many of them. And that's what breeds confidence. So in the other part that I already explained, Logan, was this. There's momentum swings in every single game and every sport at every level. And I didn't love Vegas very much last night, certainly through two periods. I thought they got to their game in the back half of the second period, but they were a little sleepy for about 30 but good teams at some point, you're not going to dominate them or be in control for 60. And they took that white cloud goal and they got on a run. And right now for Calgary in those kind of situations, they're hard to manage. And it's, and it's not because they're not capable physically. It's just, you know, they need to watch a little more Ted Lasso, I think. The believe meter isn't probably where it needs to be. Yeah, confidence seems like it's an issue with this group at the at the best of times that it can be one error. It can be as simple as your goaltender not giving you a save. And look, it happens. It happens all the time. It happens to Markstrom. It happens to, to Vasilevsky. It happened to Wah and Brodeur and Hashik and all of them. But how mm-hmm. your team responds to those is almost just as important as getting those saves at times. It's more important. Yeah. It's more important. Really, so many games, and you know this, and we chatted about this last night on the post-game show, the other part of sports that never goes away for me, and last night was another perfect indication, is what do you as a team get done when you are clearly better than your opponent? And on the other side of it, how much water do you put in your boat when they're better than you? And, and that's really been a huge story for the Flames this year. When they have been clearly better, you know, you look at the first period. Vegas wasn't on their toes. The Flames played a great first. They drew three penalties. They had three power plays. They scored on one of them. They had 18 shots in the period, 10 of those during the power plays, and they scored one time. Vegas got on a bit of a run really from the white cloud goal to the equalizer by Carrier. Mm-hmm. 
That's when I thought they were probably truly better than Calgary. What they get done, they scored two. Yeah, it's it's really that finite. It it absolutely when you are clearly better, you need to get it done. And and the really good teams are probably more about what they limit. You know the decisions they make, not trying to force things, not waiting for something to happen. You know, the Flames played a third period last night where, you know, to use a football cliche, they almost went into prevent defense mode. And and 100%. most of the time, that can get you in trouble. You don't do it on purpose. It's not what they would have talked about because I've talked to the coaches, including Daryl. Especially in this day and age, Daryl said to me weeks ago, he goes, when, when you're up in a game now, probably more than even 10 years ago, it's not about protecting, it's about getting the next one. Well, they, they, they were never on their front foot in the third period last night, ever. No, and you, you start playing that way and, you know, look, any team, let alone Vegas, you, you can't go whatever it was. Uh, when did White Cloud score? Five minutes in? You're not yeah. going to go, you can't, you're not going to last 15 minutes against any team if you don't spend any time in their offensive zone. I don't oh. care, I don't care who the team is, Lou, and that's, you know, you're right. It's not something that they're doing consciously, but it's something that certainly has come up at times, and I like I like how you phrase it. I know you guys used that phrase on the post-game show last night, but that's really what it felt like. It felt like, hey, we're going to go into a shell and we're going to try to lock this thing down, but you look at the clock and say, 14 minutes, 12 minutes left, that's just not going to get it done. No, it isn't. And it's, listen, if it was easy and if it was easy to fix. They would have done it already. They would have done it a long yep. time ago. That, that's why you can look at every shot share. You can look at every analytic that you can find. But you know what you're not going to find an analytic for? Confidence and how people deal in difficult situations. And the interesting thing about sports is, even when you've been good at it in the same scenarios the year before with a pretty decent amount of the same people, that doesn't mean they're going to execute exactly the same way again because confidence is fleeting too. One of the big storylines uh, heading into last night, Lou, was that Dan Vladar got back-to-back starts uh, after the win in Arizona. He went again for the Flames last night. Uh, we've talked a bit about the White Cloud goal. wasn't Dan's best performance. Uh, here's the head coach, Daryl Sutter, on last night's goaltending performance from Dan Vladar and his approach to the goaltending going forward, maybe as soon as Saturday's game against Colorado. Uh, when, you, when you're in. Okay. That's what we did before with Mark too, the last time, too. Is that the, the process moving forward? Yeah, I'll see, you know what? It's, it's, I think tonight finishes short turnaround 5-8. and eight. So, uh, we'll, you know, guys get a day off tomorrow. We'll decide then. It it has become that, and it felt very much that way coming out of the break. And Daniel Vladar, remember, was the first guy to play in that situation, or at least when they came home after the road trip. And so I thought that's really when it changed. Not even so much coming out of the break, but after they got home from that road trip, which is how they started coming out of the break with that first game in New York and the last game 
um, in Ottawa on that four-game trip. So it's been up for grabs, and nobody's taken it yet. And if somebody doesn't take it and get on a roll, we're not talking about Calgary Flames outside of exit interviews and what they're going to do next past April 12th. That's 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 huge. Mm-hmm. They have got to have one of those two guys, and I still think it's going to be 25. I do. And I love Daniel Vladar, but there's generally a time and a place. And I don't know about you, but I also think one of the reasons Vladar has maybe struggled a little bit lately is the game has changed. And what I mean by the game has changed is it's probably been the first time all season that it's not him playing every, you know, seven or eight or 10 days. Mm -hmm. Now it's been presented like, this is a competition, and you could be our guy. And frankly, since they came home and he played against Detroit, I think he's had some of his toughest outings of the year. So what's different? Well, I think what's different is the situation. And it's why there's still something to be said about a veteran goalie who's been there and done that, even though he's had a tough year. But somebody's got to get it figured out, and I think it's going to be twenty-five. I do. Well, it's what it's what makes you a starter, Lou, right? It's what it's yes. what the difference is between being a backup goaltender and being that guy who can do it every two weeks, or you know, hey, I'm sure there's you know, go on a run and you get two starts in a week or something like that, compared mm-hmm. to what this is. Dan Vladar, at this point now, has matched his games played from last year. He's well over his minutes played from last year. He's never played this much pro hockey at, at, at this level consistently. It's a very different situation for him. It is. Absolutely it is. And it increases expectation. And it also, more importantly, it's how you deal individually with that extra pressure and extra expectation. And it's hard. And it's usually a learning process. It's why I've said on this show all year long, like you can think about the goalies, whatever you want, and that's fine. That's, that's everybody's right. And I can't deny that for a lot of the year in his time, and that's all a player can control is when you play and in their case, play goal, he's been better, but the situation has changed. And there are a lot of goalies in the history of the National Hockey League. And don't get me wrong, I think he's got a chance to be a number one guy in the league. But it usually takes some time to be in that role, feel that role, and deal with that role. Because it's different. It's, It's a great separator. That's why not everybody can be one. Joining with the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Pete Labardius. He joins us every single day to kick off the program. Brought to you by our great friends at the Gemini Group, Home Renovations. Talking the Calgary Flames loss last night to the Vegas Golden Knights. And Lou, it doesn't get any easier for this group to end off the road trip now uh, with a date against the Colorado Avalanche. They've played them twice already this season. The season opener, which was a bright spot for this team and for Nazem Kadri against his old club, and then back in January, uh, you'll remember a pretty dominant 4-1 yeah, performance so 
from the Colorado Avalanche. Arturi Lekkinen was great in that one. Um, I remember, you know, Nathan McKinnon wasn't as points-driven as usually. He just had the two assists, but he was tremendous that night. And uh, for the Calgary Flames, let's you know, as, as tough as it's been, you have an opportunity to walk down to this road trip with five or six points if you can pick up a win tomorrow. It's true, which is a great trip. And as a coach and as a coaching staff, the hardest thing when you go through a year like this, and if you've ever been around or if you've ever been part of a coaching staff or part of a team, and I think it applies everywhere, is how do you keep every single game in your situation in perspective? Like, you really have to have a day-by-day, game-by-game mentality. Because if you're waking up every morning and everybody does it, and you're looking at the standings and you're looking at your opponent, Logan, you're not going to be successful. You're not. The selling job, and it's a hard one, is even on nights like last night, you have to continue. Like, the message, even after last night, has to be, we have three of four on this trip. That's good. If it's five of six when you come home, that's really good. And you've played, you know, for the most part, five really good periods out of six. You have to have the mentality where nothing matters more than the next game. That's it. And it's not an easy place to get to, and it's not an easy mindset to have when, for goodness sakes, for three months in a row, feels like every night is life and death. But it does. And that's the reality. And it's really about keeping your team and personally – not letting that, as you heard from Ryan Huska a couple of interview days ago, it's about your preparation and being true to your preparation and being at the top of your game. That's all you can control individually and collectively. So it's not about the opponents for me anymore. It's about the Flames. That's it. That is it. I I care about who your opponent are, Mm -hmm. but I don't judge any different. Mm -hmm. And I usually never do. How do you handle each and every game? And yet, you just can't. You know, the teams who do the best are teams that don't ride the roller coaster, not only by way of wins and losses, but more importantly, emotionally. And that's a hard thing not to do. This team has shown, and they showed it again last night. They're a good team against playoff teams. They have not been a good team against non-playoff teams. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why they're in the pickle they're in. Uh, two more pieces of business that I wanted to get with you today. we got to do uh, What Does Lou Say coming up in just a moment. But uh, stepping away from the Calgary Flames for a minute, Lou. Um, yes, the Flames are in action tomorrow against Colorado, but it'll also be a very special night in San Jose. Patrick Marlowe will be retired. Uh, his number will be retired by the San Jose Sharks. He is, of course, the uh, league leader. Uh, are the all-time leader in games played in the NHL. It'll be the first number ever retired in San Jose Sharks history, Lou. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think of when you think of Patrick Marlowe, the Swift Current Saskatchewan native who uh, you know finished with 779 games played 
in the regular season and gets his number up in the rafters tomorrow at SAP Center? Well, I could probably do the next half an hour on what I think <laughs> in regards to Patrick Marlowe, but um, I think about a lot of things, and the timing of it is interesting for me too because so I remember watching Patrick Marlowe as a U15, used to be called Bantam in Swift Current, and I saw him twice in that season and was absolutely blown away by his ability and his skating ability. And right now, the Canada Winter Games hockey competition is being played in Prince Edward Island. The last time Saskatchewan won the gold medal, Patrick Marlowe was a star on the team. If I remember correctly, it was in Grand Prairie in 1995. And that is where I learned this guy has a chance to be really, really special because as a Saskatchewan product, um, winning a gold medal in a Canadian provincial competition is no easy feat. And it's not an easy feat in that sport. And I don't know what the score is, but Saskatchewan has a very good team right now. They're in the semifinal as we speak against Quebec. Um, where they have some really talented kids. So I think about that. Um, he just he's a great professional. Um, his longevity, the amount of games that he played, but his skating ability, um, you know, allowed him to win an Olympic gold medal. It, like he was an elite, elite player for a long time and a quiet guy and a very quiet, reserved very humble person when you interviewed him. Um, you know, if you're from Saskatchewan, which I am, and incredibly proud of it, it, it you, you're really, it touches you, I think, a little bit more because he's done so much for the sport, so much for the game. Obviously, he is beloved beyond belief and the city he's going to be honored in. Um, I know he's got kids. If they're good at hockey, I sure hope they wear red, white, and white instead of red, white, and blue. Um, <laughs> but, yes, a lot of great memories, and they started very young. And, you know, his his 17-year-old year, the draft year in Seattle, again, was just – he's a star. And he was about as close to being a superstar in the NHL as you could be. Our last piece of business, we do it every single Friday here on the show. It's uh, time for What Does Lou Say, and it's brought to you by our good friends at Roost Chris Steakhouse. All you have to do, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960, go to the contest tab, find the What Does Lou Say one, enter your information and a question for Peter, and if we answer your question like we're about to for Jordan's question, you will be the winner of a $200 gift card to visit our friends at Roost Chris Steakhouse and a pair of lower bowl tickets to see the Flames in an upcoming game. Jordan sent in his question. He is today's winner. He's got that $200 gift card. And how about this, Lou? A pair of lower bowl tickets to see the Flames. And Ryan O'Reilly-led Toronto Maple Leaf squad Thursday, March 2nd. We're really looking forward to that one. Jordan, you got yourself a hell of a game to go to. And Lou... We're going outside the flame spectrum today. I'm excited to ask you this one because I don't know the answer yeah, to it. I haven't seen this question. Normally I see the question, but I have not seen we're, it. Yeah, we were a little slow getting to it today, but we got it here. Uh, Jordan's question comes in for you, Lou. He says he's a big fan, 
He wants to know if you could sit down and interview one person, dead or alive, Lou, who would it be? What a great question. I've said this to a number of people, and there's lots of people that could fall on that list for me. And I've been so blessed and fortunate to, you know, have a chance to interview people I never would have ever dreamed of interviewing or being in on scrums. Do you know who I would love to spend a full day with? Who's that? Dave King. I would love to spend a full day with Dave King, um, ask him about all his experiences. You take a look at the Dave King coaching tree. It is a big tree with a lot of great branches. Um, You know, growing up in Saskatoon, the first time I heard about Dave King, he was the head football coach at Aiden Bowman High School. And then he was the head coach of the Billings Bighorns. Um, you know, and then the University of Saskatchewan Huskies, who are in town and have a one nothing lead on the Calgary Dinosaurs in their best of three series, they have not won the national championship since Dave King led them to that against Concordia back in 1983 when they beat the Stingers 6-2. to um, I think he's brilliant. I've certainly been lucky enough to have several small chats with him over the year. I was absolutely shaking the first time I got a chance to interview him. It was during the Western Centennial Cup final here in Calgary between the Notre Dame Hounds and the Calgary Canucks, which was one of the highlights of my whole career. And part of it was because I got to interview the head coach of Canada's Olympic team, Dave King. (laughs) I would love to spend a full day getting to ask Dave everything I've ever thought about and all his experiences, whether internationally, NHL, time in Russia, that's that's probably, he'd be right up there for me. Figures you'd pick another Sasky boy. Well, Figures. Listen, I'm proud of it. We'd, uh, okay. We talked about Patty Marlowe and the great province of Saskatchewan, yeah. and then we tie it all up. And I'm sitting in my dear friend Ray Morrison's <laughs> hotel room, the who's calling, you know, the Husky series is I was lucky enough to give him a bit of a helping hand last weekend. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe I'm just feeling very Saskatchewan <laughs> for all you uh, Ontarians out there who always call our province Saskatchewan. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's another edition of what does Lou say? And it's brought to you by our good friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Now up in Tuesday to Sunday at 5 PM, the perfect Place to indulge before the game. Enjoy prime steak, broil to perfection, and serve sizzling on a 500-degree plate. Lou, have yourself a great afternoon, pal. We'll talk to you on the Flames game day tomorrow. Uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Flames in the Avs. Logan, in my world, every day is game day. <laughs> you have an awesome day, and for our listeners, have a great weekend. There you Bye go. Now. Peter Labardi is the color voice of the Calgary Flames. Joins us every single day to kick off the program here on Sportsnet today. He is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovations. They should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. We've still got about two weeks to go before the NHL's trade deadline gets you know finalized and everything. But the whirlwind 
of rumors and who's going where has heated up for a couple of key players around the league. We'll look at some of those next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're one week away from the NHL's trade deadline. We've seen some major moves already. Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and then yesterday the Boston Bruins and Washington Capitals hooking up for a trade that sees former Flame Garnet Hathaway and Dmitry Orloff on their way to an already stacked Bruins team. But it appears as though we'll get plenty of movement before the NHL's trade deadline coming up on March 3rd. But remember to keep it right here until deadline day. We're going to chase down every Flames trade rumor swirling around the city and everything else. Because on March 3rd, we've got you covered all day with coverage live from the Saddle Dome. If the Flames make a move, you'll hear it here first. Our trade deadline coverage brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe till 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out our delivery at 403-248-3344. So what's left to be done? I mentioned some of those big names that we've seen get moved already. Well, let's talk about the one name that's still out there, the big name that hasn't been moved yet, Timo Meyer. Whether it's Elliot Friedman, Frank Saravalli, whoever you listen to, Timo Meyer likely to be moved by the San Jose Sharks, likely to command a very large return. But seems as though that chatter is quieted down with a couple of forwards already on the move. We talked about Tarasenko. We talked about Ryan O'Reilly. And it sounds as though we won't have to wait until trade deadline day to get a decision on Patrick Kane. And Patrick Kane might wind up getting exactly what he hoped for after all. A lot of people thought, okay, Tarasenko's in New York. That pretty much closes the deal on Patrick Kane. In a really weird scenario, Kane comes out the next day and says, yeah, I I actually really wanted to go to New York. That was one of the places I could see myself playing out the rest of the year, and now that's not going to happen. Or is it? Elliot Friedman, who you heard on the Jeff Merrick Show earlier today on Sportsnet 960, talked about, Uh, A couple of key New York Rangers forwards who have been held out of game action and will probably be held out of practice action in Vitaly Kreitsov and Jake Lesition. That would open up just enough cap space for the Rangers to potentially acquire Patrick Kane. Another NHL insider, TSN's Chris Johnson, suggesting that this is not going to be something That comes down to the final hour. He expects Patrick Kane's camp to make a decision, perhaps within the next 24 hours, about what he wants to do with his future. So we could see another major name off the board, and we could see the Rangers bulking up once again in what's looking like a massive race, arms race, in the Eastern Conference. So do we do we like the move? Do we think Patrick Kane 
to the New York Rangers is the missing piece. We'll find out exactly what that looks like potentially in the next 24 hours, but there's still lots of movement going around the NHL. Not only are we keeping an eye on the Patrick Kane situation in New York, what goes next for the Columbus Blue Jackets? One of the league's worst teams this year, the last two weeks or so, I guess it's probably been less than that. It's probably been 10 days or so. They jumped in on the trade-related reasons for holding out their big trade deadline chip in defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov. Friedman and others had reported, okay, close to a deal with Boston. When that comes down, we're expecting Gavrikov to be a Bruin. Clearly, something didn't happen in there that led the Bruins to going and taking this chance on Orlov and Hathaway, a package I like remarkably more than what Gavrikov brings. But regardless, that was a deal that we thought we had penciled in, and that's why, as NHL insiders will tell you, never say it's done until it's through the league office. Because Columbus thought this deal with Boston was done. Turns out Boston feels differently about it, finds a, a better trade partner, a different trade partner in the Washington Capitals and makes their own deal. So who steps up for Gavrikov now? Is this a situation where the Toronto Maple Leafs would be interested in? We've heard the Edmonton Oilers have been connected to defensemen all season long, pretty much. Sounds as though, if you listen to Friedman with Haley Salvin yesterday, right here on Sportsnet 960, wherever you get your podcast, Carlson and the Oilers... It just isn't something that's going to come together in the next week. So would the Oilers pivot to a Gavrikov? I think that's an interesting name that we can discuss. Because I think the one thing that's, that's, you know, sat there for the Oilers the longest time now is this lack of, I don't want to say urgency, but maybe it is urgency from the front office to make the most of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's time in Edmonton. And I'm not saying they're jumping ship when their contracts are done. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I, for one, have been surprised that there hasn't been more of an all-in mentality from the Edmonton Oilers. They're, I think they're pretty clearly going to be a playoff team. I think defense is probably the number one priority for this group. To, to help out with Darnell Nurse and the crew that they have back there. They have some interesting prospects. They have a good amount of draft picks. Look at what Toronto's doing. You don't get Matthews and Marner forever. Same as you don't get McDavid and Dreisaitl together. So is this the year that the Oilers finally take a big step forward and make a big trade deadline acquisition? We'll see. Other NHL news today, Chris Drieger, goaltender for the Seattle Kraken. He cleared waivers. Interesting names today, Gravel from Nashville and Kasperi Kapanen from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both on waivers today. Kapanen, the probably more eye-catching name of the two there. 
if you missed it last night because you were watching the Flames uh, and the Golden Knights, the Oilers took care of business in Pittsburgh, dismantling the Penguins. There were chants of fire Hextall. There's been rumors that, you know, there's a bit of discontent between coach and GM in Pittsburgh as to whereabouts that roster needs to go right now. And after signing a two-year contract extension in the offseason, Kasperi Kapman finds himself on waivers a week ahead of the trade deadline. 43 games this year, 7 goals, 13 assists for 20 points. He's a right-handed shot, just 26 years old. But like I said, comes with a decent cap hit into next year that will... I, I think might prevent some teams from getting involved in perhaps claiming him. Of course, here in Calgary, the biggest question mark is, does it make sense for the Calgary Flames? I, I think the player would be interesting. I don't know where he would fit right now for this group. I also don't know that they're willing to commit, you know, $3 million plus to a guy like Casper Kapanen next year. It would certainly be low risk and you get a chance to see him for the rest of the year. I, I don't know if that's a fit there or not. We'll have to wait and see what exactly that means. But uh, a lot of people quite interested today that Kasperi Kaplan was put on waivers. Not all that long ago, you know, he's a 30-point guy for the most part in the NHL. His early years um, with Toronto gave him a 20-goal season in there. You know, 36-point years. You're not talking about a big scorer. But we'll see. Uh, a couple of the texts right now. Uh, yes, happening for the Flames. Um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's The right shot is the most interesting part. I just don't know where you put him right now. Again, it's not a fourth-line player. Would he be an upgrade on your fourth line? Sure. I'm not changing out back when Coleman Mangiapane right now. Pelche is coming off of back-to-back multi-point games with Huberto and Kadri. And I, I can't see you moving Dubé or Toffoli down the lineup. At least not far enough down the lineup to the fourth line. So, yeah, is it an interesting name for the... Yeah, and I know you'll hear guys like Pat, and I agree with Pat when he talks about, you know, Getting a potential right-hand shot in for the Flames makes a lot of sense. His age makes a lot of sense. The fact that you're not going to have to give up anything for him. You would simply claim him. If it was just this season for Kasperi Kapanen, I would be much more interested. But the fact that he comes with an extra year at a pretty considerable salary mm, makes me a bit hesitant that I would... I would jump on that if I was the Calgary Flames. <laughs> this text says, uh, just put Shillington on LTIR, pick up somebody. We need anybody. Uh, yeah, the Shillington to LTIR one is a tricky one. Uh, it's my belief that I think the Flames would need some sort of exception from the league. I don't, Not that they wouldn't get it. But also, once you're into L- LTIR, you stop accumulating cap space. I just, I don't, I don't know if they're going to go down that road. Could I still see them making some sort of move as we talked about around the, the perimeter? 
for sure. I, I absolutely could see that. But do I think Casper Kapanen 100% that guy? Mm, I don't know. Uh, and an interesting piece of news out of Florida today. Uh, goaltender Spencer Knight will be away from the Florida Panthers for an indefinite period of time. Uh, he receives care from the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program. He was set to join their AHL affiliate in Charlotte. That has been postponed. Uh, George Richards of Florida Hockey Now um, with some more details on his Twitter account. Um, coming out, it says it's not believed to be any sort of drug or alcohol-related issue for Spencer Knight. Um, the player assistance program that the NHL, the NHLPA have set up covers a large scale of things. And while it hasn't been uncommon for players to seek assistance, um, whether it be addiction or harmful substances or whatever it is, like drugs and alcohol, um, that's not the only caveat to get into the program. And um, if, you know, George is very connected to that team, uh, as he reports, it doesn't appear that that's why Spencer Knight uh, has entered the program. So I uh, just wanted to take a quick second out to say, you know, hey, best of luck to Spencer Knight uh, with whatever it is he's going through. Like I said, that covers mental health issues. Um, you know, you can be dealing, you know, we don't know. We don't the stress of uh, of playing in the NHL, all that sort of stuff that can come up for guys. Um, when you have a problem, I, I always believe firmly that the first step is admitting you have that and seeking out help. So, uh, good on Spencer Knight for doing that. Who cares when he comes back? Hopefully he comes back, uh, feeling better and ready to go. But, uh, that's an important piece for the Florida Panthers who have, you know, sort of gone back and forth this year. They've got that interesting goalie combination with Sergei Bobrovsky making so much money for that group but at times being outperformed by a guy like Spencer Knight, who was drafted very high by the Florida Panthers. And now it looks like they'll go forward for sure with Bobrovsky as their number one and Alex Lyon as their number two. They are currently, as you look at the standings today, still in a fight for a playoff spot in the East. They are tied points-wise with Detroit for the second wildcard spot in the East. But Detroit holds three games in hand. Pittsburgh a point back of Florida and Detroit. But Pittsburgh also three games in hand on Florida. Buffalo just two points back of Florida. They have four games in hand. So points percentage tells a much different story for this Florida Panthers team who now would be without... Uh, Spencer Knight, at least for uh, for the time being. So uh, that's a bit of a spin around the NHL. Some of the latest news uh, we talked about there. Evander Kane, or excuse me, Patrick Kane, not Evander Kane. Looks like we could be within 24 hours of a decision. Perhaps the New York Rangers might find a way to add Patrick Kane to their roster. We'll wait and see on that. Some interesting names on waivers. Does Kasperi Kapanen make sense for the Calgary Flames? We'll wait and see. Vladislav Gavrikov, big piece for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're looking to move at this NHL trade deadline, which, yes, as the text line pointed out, 
Uh, I correctly said two weeks away. It's not two weeks away. It's a week away. Uh, I should know that. Um, what are they going to do with Gavrikov now that a potential deal with Boston fell through and the Bruins pivoted to a deal with Orlov and Hathaway from the Washington Capitals? So that's one to watch. And uh, the news today, like we mentioned, just talking about it a couple seconds ago, Spencer Knight, goaltender for the Florida Panthers, entering into the NHL, NHLPA's joint player assistance program. We wish Spencer uh, nothing but the best uh, as he takes a break from hockey. We'll take a break ourselves, come back on the other side, take a look at some of those interesting trade deadline names as well, and a deep dive on the Calgary Flames season with former NHL scout and writer for Sportsnet.ca, Jason Bukala. He joins the program next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.